Well, good morning, Bridgewater. It is great to be here with everybody this morning. I hope you are excited to be here, right? It has been a great morning already. The, they, they do a tremendous job in leading us and singing to praise. And I've got to tell you, um, the baptisms, that, that is awesome. The stories right there that we have. My name is Joel. I am excited to speak with you this morning. Uh, we are in this series. It is week two of a series that is a Christmas series. It is called An Unlikely Christmas. And I don't know where you're at along in your life of, of getting ready for Christmas, if you're celebrating, if you're looking forward to it, if it brings you a little bit of heartache, if it brings struggle, wherever you may be in your life, our hope is that this series helps you in your walk with Christ, even in your next step that you may take with Christ. So I am excited. I would, I would encourage if you missed week one, which was just last week, Pastor Tim, uh, he spoke on that and uh, that is available online. I would encourage you if you missed that, go back and pick that up and listen to that as well. Uh, a great message there and a great series. We hope that it is an encouragement to you. Well, as I, get, as I stand up here, there is one thing that as I look out over this crowd, I'm, I'm, I'm not the smartest person in the room, I assure you of that. Um, I, I really err towards the other side. But uh, anyway, um, don't ask people that know me well, they might agree with me and I don't want them to do that. I, I think I can make a pretty good statement about everybody in here and hopefully, hopefully hit it right. Um, I am willing to bet everybody in here hates waiting, waiting. <laughs> everybody in here hates waiting, right? Huh? As I delay there, what, what is it? What is it that's going to be said there, right? Um, we, we hate waiting. Uh, anybody in here, when they go to the grocery store or when they go to Walmart or when they go to whatever store it is, they walk up and down looking for the longest aisle, all right, does anybody do that, right? You're looking around, you're like, yeah, I, I want to stand in the longest aisle, right? And I want to take the longest. How about driving? Driving. When you're going to watch your favorite football team get whooped by the 40, excuse me, by some lousy team last week. <laughs> For those of you that know, I mentioned that other team, my favorite team often. So when they take it on the backside, I admit that as well, all right? But when you're going to that game, huh? or when you're going to a game, or when you're going to a concert, or when you're going to a crowded event, how many of you, you're hoping that you get stuck in traffic because you're like, I want to keep trying to switch back and forth to the longest lane, right? All right, is that you? Is that you? You're the one, hey, let me, ooh, that one's going slower. Let me, let me get over in that lane there, right? That, that's our desire. Or when you're, when you're going up to a light and you're like, it's been green a long time. I'm pretty sure it's about to turn yellow. So you start slowing down, slowing down, slowing down, slowing down. You're like, I'm, I'm sure it's going to turn, right? How, how many of you drive like that? Yeah, I follow you guys and I don't like it when you do that to me, okay? <laughs> No, but, but what, what do we do? We, for some of us, we see a yellow light and we know that that means, um, well, hurry up and get through, right? Uh, but then we sit there at the light. We sit there at the light. If you're like me, you're second, third, fourth, tenth in line or whatever. And you're there like, wow, this is great. I love sitting in this light. And then you're there like, what's wrong with that driver up there in the front? The light turned green like half a second ago. Why aren't they going yet? Right? And that's, that's where, why? Because we, we, we don't like to... We don't like to wait, right? Waiting, it's difficult. And, and I, I make fun of some things. And, and you know what? I even like to say it this way. Um, 
you can make a career out of being a rock star, right? Or some sort of pop star, country star, whatever it is, singing about waiting, right? Aretha Franklin and George Michael, they, they knew that they, that they were right there waiting, right? Um, foreigner, 40 years, they've been waiting for a girl like you, right? For 40 years, they're finally shutting it down. Oh, but yeah, some of you still like that right there, right? Um, we're waiting. And, and that great, that, that great I, I mentioned them as theologians before, I'll mention it again. That great theologian, um, Tom Petty, right? He said, waiting's the hardest part. And we, and we struggle through that, right? We, we get tired of that. And, and, I, and I have fun with some of those things. But, but how, about, um, how about waiting when you feel like you're waiting on God? Right? There's something broken. There's something hurt. There's something within you that you're just like, oh, dear God, what, what are you doing in my life? What are you doing right now? What are you doing in this relationship? What are you doing with my work? What are you doing with my children? What are you doing with my parents? What are you doing with my health? God, what, what is it? And, and when you're waiting on him, suddenly we sing a different song, and it's, give me a sign. Let me know you're there, right? Because I'm crossed up in the entire atmosphere, and I'm wondering, what's going on, God? Where are you? Well, this morning, what I want to do is I want to take a look at a story. It takes place right there in the Christmas story. As a matter of fact, it's right after the birth of Jesus Christ. It's right there following that story. As a matter of fact, it's going to be following the story that many of you know so well where Jesus, where, where his parents, where Mary and Joseph went to be taxed and, and they go down to Bethlehem. And once they're there, the baby's delivered and out in the field, there were shepherds, right? And an angel appears to them and says, it's good news. There's great news of great, of good, good news of great joy to all all people. There's a Savior born. And right after that, we're going to read this morning a story that Luke tells us. And Luke is telling us a story to a group of people, a group of people that have been waiting and waiting and waiting. And in that waiting, what had God been doing? Right? All the way, if you were, if you were brought up in Judaism, right? If you had grown up in that, you knew all the way from back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve chose to sin that God had said to them, he said, listen, there is going to be, there, God said to the serpent that had tricked them and caused them to eat and caused them to sin. God said to that serpent, there is going to be a seed coming from that woman. And guess what? It is going to you are going to bruise his heel to the serpent, but he is going to crush your head. He is going to destroy you. And from that time forward, there is a waiting forward to Abraham, who God calls and says, listen, Abram, there is going to be a seed that comes from you and it's going to bless the entire world. You're going to be a blessing to the entire world. And they're waiting and waiting. And a thousand years later, he tells King David, and a thousand, this is a thousand years before the time of Christ, right? Tells King David, David, there is going to be a Messiah that comes from you that is going to sit on the throne forever, that is going to reign eternally. And they wait. And they wait. 300 years after David, 250 years after David, a, a prophet comes along by the name of Isaiah. And he says, hey, there is going to be a savior, a wonderful counselor that is going to be born. And they wait. And they wait. 
And 250, 300 years later, Malachi, the last prophet in our Old Testament, comes along and he says, hey, there is going to be one that is coming. And suddenly it's quiet for 400 years. And they wait. And they wait. How do you like waiting? We don't like it. We don't want to do it. But Luke comes on the scene and Luke gives us a story. And I want you to know that Luke, when he writes this, he is writing a detailed account. He is going back and getting eyewitness accounts of what has taken place. And I want you to be aware, if you are wondering about the story that is told of Jesus, Luke wrote into there details so that people would know. He wrote, hey, when Caesar Augustus was, was king, when he was the emperor, there was a decree that was sent out to the entire world that the whole world should be taxed. And he goes down and he tells who was in charge of different places and where people went. Why does he give that detail? He gives that detail because he was writing to people of his day. And guess what? When they got that detail and when they read it, they're like, hey, my, my grandpa actually remembers that, right? Dad, you remember that. You're older than dirt. You remember that line, right? You remember that taxing that took place? Yes, we remember that. We remember that place. That's why Luke wrote that. He said, you want to check me? Check out the details. You don't believe what I'm saying? Check the details. They are there. And when we get to this story in Luke, Luke chapter two, we are gonna learn about an individual that had lived a long time and that was waiting for this Messiah. Luke chapter two, verse 21, it says this. And again, this is just following the angels have left. Mary and Joseph, they're pondering these things in their heart. They're wondering what all took place. And eight days later, eight days after the birth of Christ, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel, even before he was conceived. Then it was time for the purification offering. All right, that purification offering is spoke of in Leviticus chapter, excuse me, in Leviticus chapter 12. And that's 40 days after the birth of Christ for a boy, a little bit longer if it was a girl. But as they look at that, this time of purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So right there's that idea. The very firstborn boy, he must be, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they are taking him. They're doing exactly what they want to do. 40 days after, or what they're supposed to do. 40 days after the birth of Christ, they are taking him to the temple and they are dedicating him to the Lord. So what did they do? So they offered a sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. I say that I put a little, if you notice, there's a little asterisk there. I, the little asterisk is just to remind my brain. All right. But there's, there's something being told here. All right. And what's being told is Mary and Joseph were very poor. And the reason, that I, the reason that I say that, they're very poor because this turtle doves and young pigeons, that was for those that were very poor. The, the offering was supposed to be a lamb. But in Leviticus 12, it allows for the change that if you can't afford that, pigeons or turtle doves could be the offering that are offered. That's the case that we find with Mary and Joseph. And as they are walking in, as they are coming to the temple to present their child, remember, they're not alone. It's not going to be a special ceremony just for them, for their family all showing up, all right? They're already, maybe they're running a little quiet because remember what's being said about them, all right? 
and the birth of this child, all right, what is being talked about them, but they are walking up there and others that had had babies born on that same day, they would be coming in. The temple would be full. The temple would be busy. It would be a place where sacrifices are taking place on a regular, on a daily basis. And at that time, Luke goes on to tell us, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. We're not going to find out a whole lot about Simeon. As a matter of fact, what we're going to find out about Simeon is about right here, all right? It's all here. He was a righteous and devout, and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. Are you kidding me? This has been proclaimed since Adam and Eve. Moses, all right, he talks about it. Abraham, right, to Abraham, from Adam and Eve to Abraham to Moses to David, Isaiah, We've been waiting and waiting and waiting. And Simeon, you think that this is going to come during your time? But he's eagerly waiting. Isn't it wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful this is what's known about you, that you're righteous and devout? That you're eagerly waiting? How many of us eagerly wait? We eagerly wait for Christmas. We eagerly wait for exciting things, right? But something that, are you serious? Is that ever going to happen? we eagerly anticipate and we hope for, but he's eagerly waiting for it. And why is he eagerly waiting for it? Because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. I want to just talk about that for a minute. I'm not sure how that all works out. I'm not sure how it is that the Holy Spirit had revealed this to him. But somehow Luke, in the detail that he had looked for, he writes this down. And Luke, who wants to get the information correct, he's there, he's documenting it and saying, this is what is taking place. And I want you to know, I want you to be aware. That day, he continues on, that day the Spirit led, led him, that is Simeon, led him to the temple. So he's coming in there. He's coming that very day that Mary and Joseph are coming as well. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus, the Lord as the law required, all right, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God. He takes this baby. How, how did he know that it was the baby? How did he know he had the right baby? Well, naturally, because he had the halo over his head, right? The little, little gold light shining down on him. Um, no? No? I don't know how he knew, but somehow he knew babies would come in there every day. And yet he knows God had made it away. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was leading him, right? The Holy Spirit was working in his life, was guiding him. And this is what he says. He says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. Seeing this baby, he is certain, he knows. God, you have done, you have done for me what you said that you would do. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. And that is great news for you and it is great news for me. He has prepared that salvation for all people. Earlier, the angels had proclaimed that it's good news of great joy for all people. Here, Simeon is proclaiming again, it is for all people. What is this? It's available. He is the savior of the world that has come. He is the Messiah. He is the light, he goes on to say. He is the light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. This little baby that had come. 
that he's holding in his arms, that he looks down at, and he's there like, this is the Messiah of God. A righteous, a devout man who is eagerly waiting, who is led by the Spirit. Jesus' parents, they were amazed. Look at them. They're amazed at what was being said about him. Right? They're sitting there in amazement, 40 days old. They've already pondered all the things that happened at his birth, and now they're thinking about, this is even more amazing. Then Simeon blessed them. He looks at the mom and dad, and he blesses them. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very own soul. The truth of what he proclaims is going to pierce your own soul, Mary. He is speaking. He is reaching out to them. I don't know when the last time is that you used those words when you held a new baby and looked at the parents and said, yeah, this is going to cause many to fall, many to stumble. But that is what Simeon, led by the Spirit, says to this young, ba- to, says to this young couple as they are there. Waiting. Simeon. All this time, waiting. A Messiah had been proclaimed, and Simeon is there waiting, and he's showing up waiting. And in your life, and in my life, what do we do in the midst of waiting? What do we do during that time? God is using your waiting. He is using our waiting for our good. I don't always like that. Because like I said at the beginning, we, we don't like waiting. Simeon, he had developed righteousness in his life. He had been devout to following God. He was eager, eager, yeah, that's what, he was eaglesly. <sighs> he was eagerly waiting and he was spirit led. He's an example to us in our lives of when we are waiting. In the midst of waiting, what would I rather do? I would rather complain, find fault, and just be ridicule what's going on. But God's there, no. In the midst of this waiting, he wants us to find his timing. Why? Because he knows that even when God's timing feels unlikely, right? This doesn't seem right. doesn't seem normal. A baby? You're going to send the Messiah and it's going to be a baby? And some guy's just going to pick out the right baby walking into the temple on some day that he just happened to show up there? In the middle of that, God's timing can feel unlikely, but we can actively rest in God's promises. We can do that. Why? Because God has made promises to us. He will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. You see, God has made a promise to those that are his followers. There's another story that continues on right after this one. It follows right on. As a matter of fact, it intersects with this. They intersect in the temple. There was a lady named Anna. She was a prophet. What does that mean? She was just proclaiming God to people around her, right? She was proclaiming, was also there. She was in the temple that day. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. That's what we find out about her. She was very old. How many of us want that to be what's said about us? You are very old, right? I guess it's better than not being old. But anyway, she is very old. That's, what's, that's, what, that's what Luke writes about her. He documents that. Everybody that I saw, everybody that talked about her, let us know. Yeah, she was a really old lady, right? Right there. Her husband died when they had only been married for seven 
years. Assuming that she got married at an early age, which it would have been normal there before they were 20 usually, all right? So that's in her early 20s that her husband passes away. Now she's lived there and it goes on, Luke goes on to say, then, then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. So 60 years in that range there, she's lived as a widow. Probably no children to take care of her, right? She hasn't remarried. She hasn't found another husband, but there he is. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night complaining and finding fault with every... Oh, hang on a minute. No, I got the wrong... T- I, oh, she sat there day and night worshiping God with fasting and with prayer. Here's a woman whose life you're there like, what in the world are you waiting for? What's going on in life? God, can you see me? Are you aware that I'm still here? And in the midst of her waiting, in the midst of this life, she's worshiping, she's fasting, and she's praying. She came along, Luke continues on to tell us, she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary, just as he's there with Mary and Joseph, she's walking by and somehow she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Here is a lady that's in the temple at the very same time. And she looks and she sees Mary and Joseph. This is something she would have seen on a regular basis. It's not something new this day. Children are being brought, right? Children are being born. People are coming to the temple to dedicate them. And yet today she walks by and she starts proclaiming. She's praising God and she's proclaiming, waiting to those that were waiting expectantly for God to bring his Messiah. Well, Jesus' parents, well, Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord. They returned to home in Nazareth. There, the child grew up. He grew up healthy. Um, next, next verse there. There, the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. That's the story of these two individuals, Simeon and Anna. Two individuals that were rather, rather well along in years of life. Two individuals that had lived and had waited and were still waiting and doing what it was that God had called them to do. You see, God is using your waiting. He is using my waiting for our good. And somewhere in the midst, Simeon was being used. The, the waiting was forming him. And development somewhere along the line in Anna, in her life, her waiting, she was being developed. She was worshiping in the midst of this waiting. What did she continue to do? She was worshiping. She was fasting. She was praying. She was praising. She was waiting expectantly. She was doing all of these things along the lines. And sometimes those are things that you and I need to do. We need to worship. We need to, we need to praise. We need to fast, Right? Even when God's timing feels unlikely, we can actively rest in his promises. We can actively wait with praise, fasting, and prayer. See, in the midst of all of that, God is at work in your life and he is at work in my life. Whatever the waiting may be for you, whatever the waiting may be for me, God is working. Whatever that situation is that God is right now, that in your life, you're just there like, God, where are you? 
He is working behind the scenes and we don't always see it. We don't always know what it is. We're not always aware of exactly what is it that you're doing, God? What are you taking? What's taking place? What are you accomplishing? Because it seems like you're not accomplishing anything. As a matter of fact, it seems like to me that you've forgotten about me because everybody else, I see it online. They, our lives all look great. They're right there online looking good. And mine, it doesn't look so good right now. God, where are you? And we wonder. And in the midst of our waiting, God is there like, will you praise? Will you fast? Will you follow? Will you obey? Will you continue to listen? That's what Simeon did. He obeyed. He listened. He heard. He followed. And he did what it was, what the Spirit was leading him to do. You see, waiting may be revealing your character. Right? See, when, when, I'm, when I'm waiting, these aren't what I like to do. I don't like to listen. I don't like to obey. And I don't like the waiting, right? Yeah, I don't like that. I don't want to do that. Why? Because my character says, I want to fix something. And in order for me to fix something, it probably means that somebody needs to listen to me, right? Because I've got the right answer. I've got the right response. But in the midst of that moment, we need to learn. I keep listening to God. I keep obeying God. And I keep waiting. Why? Because not only is waiting revealing my character, waiting may be revealing what or who I believe in, right? Do I believe in my own strength? Do I believe in the power of money? Do I believe in the power of people? Do I believe in the power of something else that's going to take care of my situations? Or do I believe in the God of the world? that has it all in his control. See, Anna, she kept praising. Well, we talk about Simeon, he kept following, he kept obeying, he was listening, obeying, doing what he was told, being led by the Spirit. Anna, she kept praising. She kept fasting and she kept praying. Maybe for us, that means that we need to find some praise music in our lives that brings us to about to praise. Maybe for us, it means that I need to start a thank you journal on a regular basis where I'm giving thanks in the midst of struggles, in the midst of difficulties. Maybe for us, it means that when it comes to fasting, see, fasting for them, they had to fast from meals. Why? Because meal prep was, just took so long for them. And it had McDonald's drive through right? They didn't, well, no, I guess you guys didn't like that. They didn't, have, they didn't have your Uber and bring that to you, whatever it is that you want, right? They didn't have these. And still we spend a lot of time with that. But maybe for us, maybe today sometimes, fasting with food is good. Maybe choosing different foods to cut out is good. But sometimes maybe it's fasting from some of the things that we spend so much time with. Maybe it means a little less time with this in my life. I can't imagine that. This is too important to me to hold on to. I can you guys hold on a minute? I got to check something. No, right? Um, right. Maybe it means fasting from, from, dare I say it, football? No, I can't do that. Um, but, but not tonight at least. And anyway, but maybe it means fasting from some things that just take so much time in our lives, right? I don't know what it is for you, right? But that thing that just holds on to you that you can't let go of, maybe it means I need to take a little bit of time off of that and just dedicate some of that time to prayer to God. That's fasting. So always in the new, in, in scripture, always talking about food. But I do think, I do think there are opportunities in our lives today where we, where we can expand that to mean even a few other things that I need to fast from. 
all right, that I need to take breaks from. Maybe for some of you, I'm just thinking of this one, maybe for some of you, your anxiety is built up so high because of the events that take place in the world and we don't know what's going on. Maybe for some of you, it means you need to either fast from CNN or Fox News or whatever it is that you're getting your results from, right? Because they just build your anxiety and you're up here so high, you're like, I can't come back down, right? I, I don't know what it is for you. But maybe we need to fast, take some time fast, fasting. And all of us, all of us, always need more time in prayer. Waiting, waiting stinks. Waiting when you think that you're waiting on God, it's hard. We don't like it. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years for the promised child that God had given them. God had promised them a child that would be born and they waited a day they waited two days. They waited a year. They waited a few years. And then they said, let us take things into our hand, own hands. We'll get this done. 25 years. Another of the Old Testament, another of the Jewish scriptures, Joseph, an individual that was a bro- one of 12 brothers. He thought he was going to rule over all of them and had these great dreams. They sold him off into slavery. And guess what happened to him? He waited 13 years. For God to accomplish what it was that God had said that he was going to do. It's like most of those 13 years in jail, no less. God, what are you doing with me? Why am I waiting? Why should I just turn my back on you and go do my own thing? But, but he waited. How about Jesus? In our New Testament, we're told of a woman who had an issue of blood. And that had been something that she had struggled with and that she had fought with throughout her life. She had waited 12 years. She had spent all of her wealth going to the medical, going to the medical doctors, trying to get help. And all she needed to do was touch the hem of Jesus. And she was healed, waiting. A man born lame, unable to walk 30 plus years of his life and never walked. His friends bring him around. Hey, Jesus is over here. Let's get up on the roof. We're going to drop him down right in front. Boop, he drops right down there. There he is. Jesus says, hey, get up and take your mat and walk. And he heals him and he walks away. He had been waiting and waiting. I don't like waiting five minutes. You already heard me. I don't like waiting in a red light, which what's that? A minute, right? I get upset with that, right? And yet, God is right there. He is, he is working in our lives. And he says this, but when the right time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman. When the right time comes in your life and in my life, God is prepping you. I don't know what the it is is in your life, but he is prepping you in your life. Why? He wants to work in you. He wants to do what it is that he has prepared for you. Maybe what you are looking forward to, maybe it's not ready for you. And he's prepping that for you so that it's ready. Maybe there's a job out there. Maybe there's a spouse out there. Maybe whatever it is, he is prepping that for you. In that situation, God's there. No, no, no. I'm working behind the scenes on that. Maybe he's working inside the scenes on you to accomplish what it is that needs to be accomplished in your life. Maybe, just maybe, the God that we think that we are waiting on is the God that is pursuing us. You see, there is a God that is for us. Paul tells us in Romans that God is for us. And if he is for us, 
Who can be against us? And he continues on in that passage to say, neither principalities nor powers, neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, right? Neither anything in this world, there's nothing in this world that can separate us from a promise that God has made to us. He is for us, not against us. He is there for you. And there is nothing that can separate you from his grace that is available. Neither heights nor depths, neither high in the sky or the depths of the earth can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And that is there for you. It is there for me. And in the midst of your waiting, will we continue to obey? Will we continue to follow? Will we take our lives and will we praise? Will we honor? Will we say, you know what, God? I want to live my life to follow you. Pray with me if you would, please. God, as we close our time together this morning, I say thank you for each individual here today. I pray that you might bless, that you might encourage them. Lord, for those of us that are struggling right now in the midst of waiting, in the midst of situations where we're there like, God, we wish you would answer. We wish you would respond. We wish, God, that you would come through in a big way like we have seen you come through for other people. May you teach us to wait, but to praise. Lord, to look for opportunities to pray to look for opportunities to cut out the things that distract us from you, to look for opportunities to hear what it is that you are saying so that we are led by your spirit. Why, Lord? Because we will be stronger as a result of doing life with our Lord and Savior. We pray this in his name. Amen.